I'm Corey Huff, and this is the Abundant Artist Podcast, where we teach you how to sell your art online. Do you sometimes think about wanting to sell prints of your art, but the idea of setting up your own printer and website is too overwhelming? Artstorefronts.com, our sponsor for this episode, does all of that for you. You're really good at making art. Let Artstorefronts.com handle the website, and they will match you with a professional fine art printer in your area. It's almost Christmas, everybody. Happy, happy Christmas and happy holidays for those who don't celebrate Christmas. Today's episode is just a little bit different. Uh, we are bringing back an old recording that I did with uh, the well-known artist Anne Ray. Uh, Anne's been a very successful artist for a very long time, and she actually made six figures in her first year in business as an artist. So uh, she has a lot of great insights to share. This recording was made before I had any fancy recording equipment, so the audio quality is a little bit suspect. But I think that you'll really enjoy this and the content from Anne is really great. So without further ado, take a listen to Anne and have a happy holiday. Okay, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Great. All right, this is Corey Huff uh, from TheAbundantArtist.com uh, on the phone with Anne Ray from AnneRay.com. Uh, Anne Ray is a painter, artist, uh, author, <clears throat> and uh, art coach. Uh, she does everything. Uh, how are you doing today, Anne? I'm good. Very good, thank you. Awesome. So we're going to talk with Anne today a little bit about uh, her experience as an artist, how she became successful right out the gate, and how uh, you can do the same with a little bit of insight from her. All right, Anne, uh, talk a little bit about some of the success you had. I guess you started painting and you were you were successful right within your first year of painting. Is that right? Yes, I was profitable in my first year in business, and I would credit that to having written a business plan and a marketing plan before I started painting. Now, how did you go about writing a business and marketing plan? You had a business background before you became an artist, is that right? A lot of people think that I have a marketing degree, <laughs> or but no. Um, I mean, I, I had very, I had a various. Um, Let's just say a checkered resume of different different jobs. Some of them were in business. Some of them were in project management. Um, and I guess I did draw upon all of those professional experiences. But um, I wrote a business plan and a marketing plan, and I did it in a very non-traditional way. I also did it in a non-traditional way because the traditional way of thinking um, leads us to believe that you can't make a living as an artist. And in right. fact, my my brother is the dean of a business school. My sister is a self-made multimillionaire. She retired in her early 30s. And neither one of them were any help. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I run into the same thing when I'm, when I'm working with artists. Uh, a lot of them tell me, oh, you know, there's no, there's no money, there's no way to make a living, and can't do it, and, and I actually offended somebody about a week ago when I told them that a start, the starving artist is a myth, that there are lots of artists out there who are making a great living. You just have to approach it in a, in a methodical way. Well, and actually, if you look at um, culturally who we pay and who we, who we reward and who makes money, it's this, there's this irony that artists are some of the worst paid, and they're also some of the highest paid. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide what category you want to be in. That's my opinion. Exactly. So talk a little bit about how, when you were creating your marketing plan, 
plan and your and your business plan. How do you talk a little bit about first what a unique selling proposition is and then why it's important? Well, a unique selling proposition, I would say, is um, you know being able to define and communicate what unique value you offer to a particular market. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm known for painting vineyards, and so obviously, my the, and I actually create all the field studies in the vineyard after a winemaker gives me a tour. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a, a way to celebrate the unique beauty of the wine country in a very authentic way. And so for wine enthusiasts and art enthusiasts, um, this is a unique value. These are, this is my unique selling proposition. Absolutely. And so the secret is my real subject is color. And really and it's color inspired by natural light. And um, I can do that in the vineyards. I could do that here in the Presidio or any number of, of natural settings. But mm-hmm. I've chosen a very specific demographic and psychographic, and so I have a market. And that's the difference. Awesome. Well, now if I'm an artist and I want to, and I and I think, well, gosh, I paint a lot of things. I don't I don't just do vineyards. I also paint uh, portraits, and I really enjoy uh, making sculptures, and I really enjoy doing a lot of different things. I'm a very creative person. Uh, why do I have to limit myself to just painting vineyards in order to make money? Well, I'm not suggesting that anyone limit themselves, and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's that's just again that's another myth that you somehow have to limit yourself. If you know if you look at other unique selling propositions or value propositions, we can look at some successful artists. Like let's look at Andy Warhol. Why was Andy Warhol successful? Okay. And Andy Warhol. I mean, I'll answer the question myself. But what? Do, but what do you think he was successful? What do you think unique, unique value he offered? Well, when I think about Andy Warhol, I think of a very unique look, a very specific um, thing that he did. Uh, I guess uh, you know the, the whole pop art thing. He had a very specific look to his art, and he had specific subjects that he that he um, that were very recognizably Andy Warhol. So that's a basic requirement of any artist. You have to have your have found your unique voice. And you have mm-hmm. to have an identifiable look and feel. Same for a writer or a movie director. It's kind of basic. That's basic requirement. You've got to have that. But right, what like Andy Tim Warhol? Always, yeah, Tim Burton, movies always, Tim Burton movies and Andy Warhol's work is always Andy Warhol's work. It's just very recognizable. Right. It's never. You can't. Yeah, you can't confuse it. So you have to. You have to be at a place where your your voice is strong enough that it is uniquely recognizable. Or, you know. You're you're kind of underwater without that. You have to have that. But what Andy Warhol did, what you what unique value he offered, and and what stra- strategy he employed, was he celebrated celebrities. Who did he do portraits of? Judy Garland, Mick Dagger, icons. And so and then those icons were at his parties invited him to their parties. He became part and parcel of their PR machine. Mm-hmm. And that's how Andy Warhol did it. He was a master of PR. Yeah. 
Okay, so, so you you created your unique selling proposition, and now you know your voice. And and once you started getting out there and, and pitching your product, what how, what happened? How did you how did you become profitable within your first year? Well, I ran the numbers, you know, and I made my best guess as if you know if I if I come up with this particular um, arrangement, uh, you know, what what numbers? Are, what what amount of sales will it generate, either on the wholesale level and the retail level? Mm-hmm. And I took my best guess, and then after that, it was just a matter of filling my pipeline, getting as many agreements signed as I could. And mm-hmm. um, so it was part guess and part, you know, um, basic math. Absolutely. Great. So what uh, what ups and downs did you have? What what uh, when you were getting your business started, what kind of things happened that you didn't expect, and how did you overcome uh, those challenges? Um, well, I always have challenges. You know, it's like that's part of the deal. And so I I've had challenges and I have challenges. Um, I would say one big challenge that threw me for a loop was I had a major winery actually the largest winery in the world, Welch on my contract with them. Wow. And it was it threw me into a tailspin. Not only did it um completely undermine my projected sales and income, it just really made me question my whole model. Mm-hmm. And it was a long, you know, it also took a lot of time and psychic energy to try to resolve it where I could have been painting and I could have been marketing and I could have been profiting. And so what I learned from that was to strengthen my legal agreement, to mm-hmm. also make my agreements abundantly clear that mm-hmm. you know any monkey <laughs> must insist they understand it. And um and then part of it is just knowing that you you know what I learned was knowing that I could never put all my eggs in one basket. I learned that. And then the the most important lesson and the best thing that came out of it was that when once I picked myself up and dusted myself off, I thought it's time to revisit my business plan because there's a weakness here. And so I revisited my business plan and I reconfigured it in such a way that I'm probably more I'm much more likely to be more profitable and at ease than had I not gone through it. So I learned okay. from my mistake is my point, but it was it was wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. Oh no. The those learning experiences are never fun when we're going through them, are they? No, but they're they're actually the best teachers. So you're you know, I found that um really monitoring my attitude about things is really critical because you can get knock down when you encounter these challenges or you can just take them on and learn your lesson. Great. And I want to um I want to kind of change uh subjects just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about tell me about where uh where do most of your sales come from? Do they come from galleries? Do they come from online places through your own website or somewhere else? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I chose early on not to work with galleries. I don't work with galleries. I work with art consultants on occasion, and I'll work with galleries on a consulting basis. But the business terms, for the most part, 
are not profitable. And I'm in business to make money, so it doesn't make any sense. But you're, you're uh, in business to make money. I thought you were an artist. No, I am an artist. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Don't even get me started about the galleries. I'm sure. I mean, I know there are a handful that are just fine, but it's just way too much work. Um, Isn't it kind of funny that there are, you know, thirty thousand uh, students that graduate from art school every year, and yet how few of them make a living? But then you go around town and you look at how many art galleries there are. There seems mm-hmm. to be a, a bit of a disconnect, huh? There's a huge disconnect, and there's the other disconnect is that, you know, I went to a private art school. It was very, very expensive, and yet um, there's just no, there's, there's no tools in the toolbox when you graduate about what you're going to do afterwards. So most people who graduate with an art degree really don't do much with it. Right. I don't know what the statistics are, but um, I've heard them in the past, and they're pretty appalling. Yes. It's so really if you don't sad. Sell in galleries, if you don't sell in galleries, where do you usually sell at? So I have I engage in what's called channel marketing, and I have different channels for my original oil paintings, my commissioned pieces, and my reproductions. The first and most important is my private collectors, and okay. then secondly, I work just I work with interior designers. And I also work with, obviously, wineries. I have a program for them. Mm-hmm. And then last is retailers. So tasting rooms or home decor boutiques um, would be examples of retailers. Okay. So the, so and, then there's my, that, and then my site, anray.com. Right, right, your website. So would you say that you have specific uh, places that you sell your work and you customize your work for each specific channel? Uh, no, what I do the only the only channel that it's customized for is when I work with a winery. There are actually paintings of their vineyards, and then they sell in their tasting room. But um, that's that's it. Or if an individual commissions me to do a painting, obviously it's customized for them. But the winery may or may not sell all of the originals, and so I will also sell them to my list of collectors. Right. Okay. Now, uh, you sell you sell online through your website. I looked at your site, and it's very beautiful. By the way, I really like it. Thanks. Um, yeah, and and you've got you've got your site set up for e-commerce, and you've got uh, gift cards and prints, and you've got your book on there, um, all those other things. Why don't you sell um, through other online channels? Like a lot of artists um, like using sites like ImageKind or. Um, or Folio, uh, whatever, Folio Press or whatever it's called. Um, how come you don't use those other sites? Why do you do it all through your own site? Well, I really, I don't give up my intellectual property. And I've, I've made, um, one of my other unique selling propositions is that my prints are all exclusive edition. If you want a reproduction of anything of mine, it has to come through my studio. You can't buy it through someone else. And so maintaining that control and is, 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 strategy, a growth strategy. Absolutely. And um, so that's that's why I do it that way. Good. Now you've got a lot going on. Like I mentioned, you've got your book, you've got all of your prints, you've got your coaching work that you do, and we'll talk more about your coaching work in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep everything straight? You've got a lot going on on top of <laughs> just all the painting that you do. How do you possibly get it all in? 
Um, I'm extraordinarily organized. <laughs> and I re- I'm really like it's I'm kind of a puzzle I think for people because they have an expectation that artists are not and I I'm really organized and I have a very systematic approach to my time management and I maintain an ongoing action plan that is um tied to my business plan mm-hmm. and I you know I just have a system uh, that I use and it keeps it all straight. And I also, I'm also, I'm also managing my priorities. You know, I'm not doing all of this all at once. So, for example, my coaching and consulting of artists, I only do by phone, and I only do on Mondays. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of your coaching, tell us a little bit about your coaching. How do you approach coaching, and what what would an artist get from using you as a coach? Well, uh, what I do is I really just teach artists. Um, the process that I've used to generate income with my art. I'm also hired by corporations and individuals as a marketing strategist on a a pretty regular basis. And so I also offer my artist clients my marketing strategy. And I also help them develop those marketing strategy skills because after I'm gone, they're going to have to stand on their own two legs. Right. And, so wait, you um, are you are actually teaching the business people how to do business. I actually consult with companies who are interested in marketing, developing unique marketing strategies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like That's I've fantastic. consulted with E&J Gallo on developing mm-hmm. a new brand, and I've developed um, brands for wineries, um, including their label, but also sort of their overall strategy. I love strategy. <laughs> I can tell tell you're pretty passionate about what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I mean, I think it's very creative. And and, um, that's the one thing I like to really try to drive home to artists is that, you know, it's creative people who are in the best position to innovate unique marketing strategies. Absolutely. if you can get out of your own way and pretend it's not you that you're talking about, like if this is some if marketing is somehow self-conscious for you as an artist, you have to pretend that you're someone else immediately because that's going to be a big wall. Right. If you can do that, I mean, really, it's just you're in such a good position because we're creative. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. It's uh, what I try to tell artists all the time and what I try to express through the site is that, you know, creative people have every advantage. We really do. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I could talk about that. I could talk about that for another hour. Me um, too. <laughs> I feel really strongly about that. Yeah. And there's lots of books on the bookshelves to support that our economy has moved into the conceptual age and the right brainers mm-hmm. rule the world. And... That's Daniel Pink's thesis anyway, and it's true. It absolutely is. I was just listening to, like, are you familiar with the TED Talks, the TED Technology Talks? I've heard of them, but I haven't really delved in. They talked about that at the last TED conference, that, um, you know, that America's economy is is a creative economy, and, and that's our strength, and that's what we should embrace. Right. Yeah. Well, Anne, is there any other thing that I should have asked that you want to tell artists? 
You know, um, I think that, you know, I can tell you what I, when artists call me, I actually pre-qualify them before I work with them. And one of the questions I ask them is, what is your attitude about business and marketing? And if they say to me, you know, I don't really like it. I wish someone else would do it. Uh-huh. Then what I say is, well, you know, if I asked, let's say pretend they were painters, and if I said, well, gosh, if if I asked you the same question about painting and your reply was, I don't really like it, I wish someone else would do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> How successful are you ever going to be? Not you very. have you have to you know so so it, so my first point is it's your it's your whole attitude about it you know and if you look at some of the most successful artists and I think we we I think we might focus on Van Gogh but I mean if you look at Michelangelo if you look at Andy Warhol if you look at my mentor Wayne Tebow they're incredibly successful like over the top successful yep. and they have embraced the business side of things so. Yep. That's one thing I would say, and um, I would also say that if this is something that you, you know, I actually went to a, a well-known painter when I was starting. It wasn't Wayne. It was someone else, and he said, don't do this unless you really, really have to because it's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I sat and thought about what he had to say, and I thought, well, you know what? It It is something I have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I've I've tried to fit myself into all these jobs and various cubicles and it's just not working. So if you've come to the conclusion that you really believe your talent, you really believe you know you're talented, you have found your unique voice and this is something that you have to do, then don't waste any time. Get all the help that you need to to build a successful business as an artist and and do it. Go for it. I mean it's it's a very rewarding life. I can't I can't even imagine doing what I was doing seven years ago. This is the best. I'm so grateful for what I get to do. So that's what I would leave you with. Okay. Well, I think I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks a lot for listening. If you liked that episode of the Abundant Artist Podcast, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes because that will help more people find our podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody, and have a happy holiday.